0: Welcome to the weekly driver podcast. My co-host Bruce Aldrich and I are at the LA car show. We're here on Tuesday, which is the precursor day of the show, really. But there's a lot of vendors here so far, and we've chosen to talk to two people from different parts of the automotive world. Our first guest is Daniel Sandberg. And Daniel is the expert and has worked for Brembo Premium Brakes for 12 years. And he talked to us all about the world of premium brakes and what it means to the automotive world. Our second guest is uh, Robert Bollinger, and Robert is the CEO and founder of Bollinger Motors, which is a very unique vehicle. Two pickup trucks that look uh, unlike anything else on the road today, so we had a nice chat with him, uh, again, during the first day of the LA Auto Show. Uh, Welcome to our podcast. We'll be here for three days. And we have a guest on today. Our first guest of the LA Auto Show is Daniel Sandberg. And they, Brembo, is here. I believe it's your first time at the LA Auto Show. First time for Brembo here, yeah, yes. and you have the most prominent space in the entire auto show, right, when you walk in the door. Well, we're glad <laughs> to hear
1: that. So. Yeah, it's
0: very nice. So, Daniel, welcome to our podcast. We're, we're eager to hear all about uh, your presence here and what, what the new things are with uh, the famous, you know, Brembo.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Thank the invitation you for joining us. Well, thanks for joining us and thanks for coming into our sure. Brembo Red yes. podcast studio. Brembo Red.
0: I love it. Yes. <laughs>
1: um you know, it's a it's a it's a really great show and you know, I think a lot of the auto shows are getting a lot of negative feedback these days because there's, you know, been some attendance issues at several of the shows. Frankfurt was not a uh, was not a ra- roaring success this year uh, but the LA show is a unique show you know it is uh, this is the car world out here um, and uh, we do a lot of uh, auto shows we rotate really from uh, Brembo North America the division mm-hmm. here we rotate around we've been doing it for about six years now we usually go to Detroit and then we go to another show and then we go to Detroit and then we go to another show and really you know we're our purpose in going to these auto shows is not only to mingle with the media, obviously, during media days and to talk to our customers, but really uh, we use this show to expose our consumers, the real people who use our uh, product. Uh, we want to interface with them directly and, and have them understand exactly what it's like to have Brembo brakes. And from that, we develop what we like to call consumer pull, which is, you know, the consumers realize the advantage of Brembo. Uh, and they hopefully will go to their dealers who will then go to our customers uh, and, and order our product. Um, so that's, that's the formula.
2: Brembo is cool. I mean, I always think of them as racing when I think of Brembo. But actually, you've got a lot of uh, consumer cars that using Brembo's brake system, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the company is uh, over 50 years old. Uh, and we've been racing for probably 45 of those 50 years. And that's really where we more or less got our start. To be honest with you, it was a company where it started out with rotors, believe it or not, making rotors which were not readily available, particularly in the aftermarket. Uh, and we started uh, developing some nice brake products. And uh, Enzo Ferrari, actually, uh, you've probably heard of him. Uh, I, think uh, so. yes. he, I think so. Uh, yes. He, you know, Enzo got together with uh, uh, our CEO uh, and our owner. Uh, at that time and said, can you help me out with some of the problems i have having with some of the race cars and, and some of the brake systems in the race cars? And the rest is more or less history. Um, and, you know, again, we, we've, we've kind of developed this dual format where we're, we're dealing with the original equipment manufacturers, but at the same time we have a very active uh, R&D group that handles a lot of the performance. And a lot of that performance technology uh, that we use in racing has moved its way down to the cars that you and I drive every day.
2: Let's just talk about brakes in general. I mean, to many people, they're, they're, it's not a, who talks about it? I mean, what, yeah, so you hit the brakes and they stop, but uh, it's quite a technical challenge to get them to work properly and to make that stopping distance as short as possible, right, for safety. So you're talking the more friction you got, I guess, it's, is a good thing, and then getting rid of heat is another major issue.
1: Well, you know, and that's, you know, brakes, there's, there's just a couple factors. I think um, just the general concept of braking. Uh, you know, you have uh, uh, typically most cars are had on them iron brakes, you know, which, number one, are heavy. Uh, number two, they're typically a floating caliper, all right? So the braking mechanism is actually moving in itself. You know, our brakes are, are usually, 90% of the brakes that we sell, the calipers that we sell, are fixed aluminum so you think about that you know if you're trying to grab something with a moving part if you will it's grabbing but it's moving Uh, or you want something that's stiff that's grabbing the disc you know stiff kind of sounds like something you probably want right i I would think yeah so you know just physically you know from the basics uh you know an aluminum caliper is something that's great you know from a from a performance standpoint uh but also it's light and when it's lightweight uh, you have the obvious advantage of, of, you know, fitting in nicely into the engineering plans of what we see now with electrification uh, and some of the autonomous vehicles. Uh, and in general, even if you got a gas car, uh, you still have cafe requirements. I don't know how long those will last, but you still have requirements where you really want to get better mileage and be a little more environmental friendly. Uh, and therefore, you know, there's nothing wrong with light, lightweight brakes there. What are the challenges with the carbon fiber brake rotors Uh, Cost is probably the biggest challenge. So if you want, I've seen seen that challenge. (laughs) uh, You know, I I did a uh, interview several years ago, and I always remember it when people talk to me about it because somebody asked during that interview. They said, "You know, it's not really just totally carbon. Uh, What are the what is the actual material?" And one of the other guests on the show said that that's made out of unobtainium. Uh, (laughs) I love it. And I think they were pretty much right. But you know, carbon. uh, There's carbon brakes you use in racing, so they're carbon carbon. We typically call them, so they're almost a solid carbon. Uh, fibers that are used; uh, those are not what you're, you know, you're buying. If you're a consumer and you're going out and getting carbon on your car, you're getting carbon, carbon ceramics, uh, which are combined. Uh, uh, product uh, and that product uh, doesn't have to be preheated so you know it's obviously you don't want to have to before you break stop four or five times before you can actually do the actual braking. but they're very very high performance uh, brakes. cost is a uh, legitimate there it's not just because we're trying to make some money uh, they're very very long in the manufacturing cycle so it's a baking process so it, it you know in, in some cases, it can take months to actually make a carbon fiber wow. uh, rotor. So, you know, those brakes are specialty brakes, but I will tell people that, you know, I think even when I started at Brembo 12 years ago, uh, those those the, the cost of a carbon fiber, you know, carbon ceramic system was upwards of, you know, twenty twenty five thousand, 25000 maybe even $30,000 on some vehicles where now you can get it as an option, let's say, on a Ford Corvette. Uh you know, anywhere between five and ten thousand dollars. You know, it'll come that's, with some other that's come way too, down and things like that. Yeah. So there's okay. you know there's some advantages, and I have to tell you, if you're looking for the ultimate in performance and the ultimate brake system, obviously carbon carbon brakes are are where it's at. But that being said, uh, you know there's nothing wrong with the brakes that you get on your day to day cars. You know, uh, particularly if they're Brembo brakes, uh, and and they're very very high performance brakes. I mean, you can notice the difference. Um, I, I remember when I first joined Brembo got a company car and one of the engineers said we're going to change those brakes out for you this weekend Mm -hmm. i said okay you know i didn't okay i mean i had brake system on and i was happy with the car uh and i remember they changed them out on a monday morning and i drove home and i remember putting the brakes on at a light and I thought, oh, you know, I mean, there was bite there, um, and and that's the real difference. And you hear story after story after story of people who have taken our brakes and put them on on the vehicles, and you do get an extra extra bite, if you will.
2: I believe it. I, you you don't know what you don't know. I exactly. just, I know in mountain biking, I'm into mountain bikes, and when we sw- first switched from the rim brakes yep. to the disc brakes, yep. yes, yep. what so. a difference! It's a whole new ball game, and I'm sure, you know, manufactured. Cheapos versus a good Brembo, it's probably the same difference.
1: Well, you know, and the thing about it is, is if you look at the J.D. Power surveys, one of the highest ranked items of consumer satisfaction or unsatisfaction uh, is brakes. Uh, because that is a part of the vehicle that there's true interaction. You know, now if you have fuel injected or no fuel injection, or you have, uh, I don't know, some some mechanical function in your car, you can't always feel it. But the brakes, you're going to feel that multiple times every day on your way to work and people either complain don't complain or they hear about it right noise you know vehicle harshness uh judder in the brakes i mean these are things that that affect the consumer day to day it's what makes our job extremely difficult right we're always fighting the battle of noise uh judder uh harshness and the way the vehicle stops and you know that that is the difference between good brakes or bad brakes
0: we're here um at the la auto show again, and. One of the things we noticed when we came here is we're actually in a very unusual circumstance. We're interviewing a podcast person who also has a podcast and we're in the booth. But to my right, one of the calling points of, of your display here is what I always think about with the Brembo brakes is very high um, performance cars. You have a Pagani Pagani next to us, but I've reviewed enough cars now in everyday cars that have Brembo brakes. So can a person who's just a person who goes out and buys a Toyota Corolla or a Porsche or uh, any other common common brand, how how far down the food chain, so to speak, can a person get a Brembo brake? You know, in
1: reality, I think if you drive any type of vehicle... Mm you probably can find a Brembo kit for example that goes on the car okay. but the reality of it right now is is i would say you know a large amount a high percentage of your premium or high performance vehicles will most likely have uh, a Brembo brake on them already so you mentioned Porsche Yes. You know, those are Brembo brakes. Um, But, you know, when you get down to what we would call uh, either premium or mid-premium vehicles, uh, you're going to see a lot of the uh, original equipment manufacturers have put Brembo brakes on the car. Uh, Cadillac is a great example. Uh, Almost the entire Cadillac fleet uh, was Brembo brakes. Uh, And we, you know, obviously they've shifted away from sedans and they're moving to SUVs. And I think you're going to see a lot of Brembo brakes on SUVs uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, is, uh, you know, people who are driving sedans who are now moving to SUVs, a uh, lot now, of them
0: are. Yeah, they <laughs> are. <laughs> and, and, and you know,
1: it's just, it's the nature of the way. Yes. Uh, but, you know, what, what's going on right now is, is those people expect sedan performance in an SUV. So if you you guys can remember back 10, 15, 20 years ago, let's face it, the SUVs, they didn't ride like a sedan. No. They didn't brake like a sedan. They don't accelerate like a sedan. But that's why you're seeing a lot of this horsepower going into a lot of these SUVs because they're saying, geez, you know, I got on this exit and I go, almost got run down mm-hmm. by a four wheeler. You know, or a 16-wheeler, rather, in the in the in the you know slow lane as I tried to get on the exit because I, I couldn't get any acceleration out of this SUV. So you're seeing SUVs now coming out three, four, 5, 600 horsepower, mm-hmm. uh, and let me tell you, that's now a bigger vehicle which needs better brakes. So you know, Brembo fits in nicely. Uh, into those portfolios and you're gonna see Brembo now on not only uh, you know the SUVs but you're gonna see them on trucks like pickup trucks GM has a package now you can check box option uh, a Brembo package and it goes on your Silverado Uh, it goes on a Cadillac Escalade uh, and you can get those added onto your vehicle and then if you still can't get it from your original equipment guy uh you can go to your uh you know whoever does your car repairs or whatever, a shop or, or uh you know one of the upgrade uh houses that you have. Uh, or go to Racetechnologies.com or call Brembo or (laughs) send an email to Brembo.com and we'll hook you up with somebody who can get you a kit for your car. And then, you know, they'll take a look. It's not just like, uh, you know, I got this car, can you send me a kit? We got to understand what kind of wheels you have. There's, you know, these are brakes. They're still a safety component. So we need to know the size of the wheels, what the dimensions are inside. But more than likely, we can find a kit that you can adapt to your car.
2: The Hot Rodders like them, right? It's sort of a status symbol, and they work well, and, and you uh, have kits for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, look, the thing about Brembo that's really interesting is is these guys are, you know, I call them engineering artists, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, they really want the product to perform well, but they want it to look fantastic. And, you know, you guys were looking at our booth earlier. You can see some of the really, really great-looking brakes that we have that, that carbon fiber stuff is to die for <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> he's stuck on carbon <laughs> yeah, <fiber>. i am <laughs> <laughs> i'm taking a step backwards here just yep. a little bit if you're uh, an average consumer and you go into a uh, dealership and you see a high-end suv and the salesperson says the, co- the vehicle has brembo brakes but you're not an expert you're an expert bruce has some knowledge i have very little knowledge what would the average bear, so to speak, or the average person, what should they know? Why are Brembo brakes good? In, in layperson's terms.
1: Well, you know, I think number one is they stop when you need them to stop. <laughs> Thank okay? you. I Thank mean, you very much. I mean, and that. Hey, and sorry, we're
2: done here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's it. But you know, I, I tell you the the story that I always see is is you know a guy who's got a pickup truck, for example, and you know when the pickup truck's empty, he stops at the lights, everything's fine. Right. But they put a pay, you know, they put something in the payload of that car, and sure. they're driving that truck down the road, and they try to stop. I would say 70, 80% of them tell me, you know what, I drive slower, I drive more carefully because the brakes I got in my car are not going to stop, all right? I will tell you, you put a Brembo system on that car, they're going to stop, all right? You got an SUV that has Brembo brakes on it and you load that car up with your family. You know, I like the GM commercial that always comes out, it says, you know, here's my family right, right. in the car. <coughs> yes. uh, you put seven, eight, nine people. Uh, in an SUV, a big Escalade or, or a big uh, a Tahoe or something like that. Um, that's a lot of weight, right? That's just like the guy who puts it in his payload of his pickup truck. Uh, and let me tell you, when you stop, you're going to stop with Brembo. So just the performance is something that I think is going to be a big factor. Number two is they're lighter, mm-hmm. all right? And uh, when they're lighter, uh, you're going to get better gas mileage uh, on, your ve- you know, on your vehicle. Uh, this has helped us a lot in the electrification area. So, what we say is, is our vehicles look great, they're lighter, and less drag, all right? And uh, less drag is, you know, when the brakes come off, right, you, you take your foot off that pedal, you want those pads to retract so they're not riding on that, on that rotor. So, people talk a lot about, you know, I put my brakes on and I see my, the, you know, the steering wheel, you know, we call judder, right? The steering wheel starts to shake. Why is that happening? It's because those pads never retracted and they rode. While you're driving, they're riding and they're bouncing, if you will, on top of the rotors, which gives them uneven wear. And eventually, you got to take them to your dealer, and he has to replace those rotors because you get that judder or that that, that vibration, if you will. So, you know, all of these things, and of course, the electrification guys, right, they want those pads to retract because, you know, any drag on that rotor means they're going to get less mileage. And that, to me, is the biggest issue people have with electrification, right, is am I going to be able to get home? You know because right you know or without re- oh, yeah. without recharging yeah, you bet. and i can't stop and, and recharge range look, anxiety I exactly think. <clears throat> yeah so with range anxiety i mean that's what you want so you know so going back to your original question is i think they perform better mm-hmm. uh they're lighter should get better gas mileage and to be honest with you they look really really good they do look they great. Do. so i'm still from that age as i want my car to look good right it's it's not just uh, you know four wheels for me The latest
2: latest innovation from Brembo is the drive-by-wire system. What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, you know this is brake-by-wire, and and we think it's the next generation of what you're going to see. You're going to remove all the hydraulics, right? So right now, uh, in most cars, you're pushing on a pedal, which is pushing on a you know is pushing into a master cylinder, which pushing the hydraulics, the fluid, if you will, to the to the actual corners, which then of course pushes the the uh, pistons, which pushes the pads, stops the vehicle, and and all that
2: stuff can get moisture in it, it can leak, it has to be replaced every once in a while. And the the systems
1: are pretty damn good now speed-wise, all right? But if you electrify that whole system, you remove all the fluids, uh, you basically have an electric, you know, uh, uh, and the trick is obviously getting the electric to feel like you know, kind of that modulated push that you have on the pedal. You want it to feel natural. Um, But at the end of the day, we feel with all the electrification you're going to see in the vehicle and you see some of the automatic brakes now that you see, which is using all the sensors to automatically stop the vehicle, all of that's going to eventually be in one controller um, or at least a series of controllers uh, and that's what we've been developing for the last few years so it's a brake by wire system some of it is what we call hybrid so you have some of that is electrified so the pedal can be electrified through what used to be the master cylinder but the pedal and then you're pushing that electronic signal if you will to the corners which may still have some hydraulics in it at that point so or we have some systems that are either the front or the rear could be totally electric uh, and the front is still hydraulic. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of different variations in how the OEs want to adopt those systems into their cars right now. Uh, a little bit of it is consumer comf- comfort, some of it is consumer acceptance, and some of it is just, you know, our customers and us want to see how is this going to get developed? How how does, you know, what are the what are the reactions going to be to this? And, you know, what we're finding with electrification in the vehicles is there's a lot of things that people forgot about didn't understand you know when you remove the engine that source of warmth you know uh all of a sudden you have a car that's driving outside for example and uh you know there's there's snow all over the front of your vehicle snow all over your lights for example doesn't melt yeah you know you drive into your garage and you park the car the next day you come out it's still there and you say why because your garage isn't warm right there's no there's no engine to be melting that stuff off so it's added a lot of uh, uh interesting new engineering challenges to not only the brakes but for lights and for all those things that the warmth you know used to do of an engine um so those are challenges um being from detroit <laughs> where we do get a little bit of snow uh that's a challenge i don't know about you guys here in california you probably don't have any idea what that means to have a warm engine i don't engine. know
0: what it is no <laughs> I have no idea bruce
1: does he actually i'm up in tahoe a lot so, so yeah
0: he knows i, I kind of get it Yes.
1: But, you know, those are, those are some of the challenges we'll see. But, you know, brake by wire, I think, is going to be a really interesting thing. And uh, we've been talking about it in the brake industry for probably 20-some years. Um, but I, we're now starting to see a path that this will be, you know, instituted into cars, I would say. I, I, I used to say by, for sure by 2030 uh definitely by 2040 you know if not sooner so it's it's just a right now you know brakes work pretty damn good right now and the i think the all the original equipment manufacturers have so much to do in trying to electrify their vehicles and whatever right now i think brakes are probably on the lower level of where that's going to happen but it will it will happen sure Uh, every time i get in my 59 bug i i get I see the advantage of newer brakes. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> um, since we're in the LA Auto Show again and we're in your podcast booth, might as well ask you about your podcast. You have uh, Brembo Red, and we were talking um, off before our podcast about it, and and tell us a little bit about that and how it's developed for you guys.
1: You know, it's something we've done uh, for a while. I mean, uh, we use it, we originally used the podcast as an employee communications tool. So, you know, I'm uh, from the age where I want to communicate with my employees, and I've used a lot of different things. We've used phone calls, you know, where you basically have a voicemail or something. We've Intimidation,
0: We uh, use intimidation? Intimidation is good. <laughs> t-
1: those are usually <laughs> reserved for employee meetings and things. But, you know, as we become more mobile and have a lot more uh, flexible working hours and things like that, it's harder and harder to schedule all employee meetings. Yes, yes. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think employees read anymore. Sometimes I, I question. No, that. I don't think so. They don't like newsletters uh, but they like it live. They like entertainment. They like you know uh, 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 media that's good. So we started it five, six, seven years ago uh, and uh, we, insta- we, we started to do the usual stuff, you know, what's going on in safety, what products did we get, what projects did we win, what didn't we win, why, stuff like that. Uh, but then we started to interview our customers and add it to the podcast, and our employees really liked that. They thought, hey, that's really great. It's really great hearing from a uh, driver, for example, in uh, MotoGP who's driving with our brakes at 260 miles an hour and really appreciates that he can go from 260 down to 40 you know, in about six seconds, right. you know. Um, and it was, you know, that that really brings home what we do every day, uh, and that was really great. But at the same time, we started to create this giant portfolio of entertaining Interviews that we were doing, you know, it's yes. not all about, you know, Brembo Red is really not all about brakes. Talking about pads and rotors and stuff, and um, we're really talking about automotive stuff. And we talked to celebrities, we talked to some of the heads of the automotive groups, uh, we talked to uh, racers, uh, we were talking about entertainers. We've talked to, we've had Jay Leno on the podcast mm-hmm. and uh, Adam Carolla, and those kind of guys. And they're big car collectors. They have a lot of passion. Oh, and yeah. I, you know, I would say Brembo Red is is if it's all about talking to passionate people. Who love cars, uh, and you know, want to talk about where our whole industry is going, which is a is a really big question these days.
0: I see that in front of me. It says it's available on uh, App Store, I, Apple iPhone and Google Play and other, and other uh, formats as well.
1: Yes, yeah, Maybe. you can you can go to the Brembo.com website and mm-hmm. pick it up there, or uh, obviously iTunes or Google Play, uh, and uh, you know we're going to probably follow you guys onto you know iHeartRadio and Spotify and all those other places you can find your podcast. So you do that, and, and then
0: you give us your guests. Is that, is that even? You know what? <laughs> I think
1: all of us have to stick together because <laughs> okay, uh, sure. you know I see a lot of journalists every time I come to shows <laughs> sure, like this, sure. and uh, a lot of them I tell them you know I'm living your life. now. Now, you know, I have my regular job where I have to run the company and my other job is finding content for the podcast. You know how that works, right?
0: Yep. yep. Every day, every day, whether it's uh, this kind of content or, or with words. So I understand. Well, this has been great, I've I've learned more about breaks in 20 minutes than I knew in since I've been doing automotive. So thank you for the education. I want to thank Daniel Sandberg right. from Brembo. Sorry to mangle your name there for a second. And his colleague, we never introduced her, but she's... Not in the podcast, but she's here kind of in charge of everything. Yes. Caroline Falara. She oh, is good. thank you for that. She is the wizard behind the curtain of the Brimbo Red podcast. Great. I wanted to make sure that we included her. Um, thank you again for being our guest. We're at the LAL show. Our first guest. And then we're here for a few days. So thank you again, Daniel, for being our guest on the weekly driver podcast. We really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's thank great. you. My pleasure. We're at the first day of the LA Auto Show, and for the third year, I've seen these wonderful, very unique trucks. And we have the founder, CEO, cleanup guy, he does everything, uh, Robert Bollinger. And uh, welcome to our podcast. We're very eager to hear about these two very unique trucks you have. So could yeah. you just Hi give Robert. us an over, overview of the product you have? Sure, thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Yeah,
3: uh, two years ago, we yes. debuted the two-door B1. And yes. now we're back mm-hmm. with the four-doors. So this is our second time here. And what we have on display here is the four-door B1 and the four-door B2. They're mm-hmm. all electric, all-wheel drive, all-terrain, uh, hand-built prototypes. They' um, are low-volume projected manufactured. Yes. We have a lot of work to do, but all next year is ramping up to production. Mm-hmm. To be at production towards the end of next year, and then the first deliveries is in 2021. Gotcha. So um, the two trucks you see on our website, they're yes. all very similar. And they're the same truck from the nose to the C-pillar same battery pack, same suspension, same interior, same everything, and then the B2 has a six-foot bed on it, basically. So there's a lot of, they have the same pass-through that we have a patent pending on it kind of thing. So the B1 holds 13-foot boards, the B2 holds 16-foot boards internally with the tailgates closed. Uh, You can take the doors off, you can take the the ceiling panels out, the roof panels out, so you can have it all open air. It's got 15-inch ground clearance, uh, 10-inch wheel travel. Amazing off-road capabilities, so it's like a a, a multi-tool beast, really. Is how to to me it it. looks
2: almost like a a, a dedicated
3: off-road vehicle, but it's going to be for the road as well. Right, certified for for
2: road use, which is
3: pretty unique. Yeah, fully road legal. It's a class three truck, so um, it'll uh, be legal as a class three truck and um so it can hold five thousand pounds so it's it's these weird bubbles all coming together so gotcha. a lot of uh, we have a lot of commercial applications for the skateboard and what we can do with it after the consumer launch uh we have military you know things that could happen with it but yeah it's, uh, our most vocal crowd of enthusiasts has been off-road people so it's very off-road, but then you can also use it as like a thing on your farm or your ranch, or if you're a contractor, you can use it to carry lots of stuff.
0: So you've been taking reservations, I understand now, and yeah. we were asking your colleague about the um, who those people are so far, and he mentioned ranchers, farmers. Is that accurate, and are there other people in, in the numbers that you've been able to take a look at? Who's putting re- Who's putting the reservations on the car? Right. What's that procedure?
3: Yeah. So originally, before we had a price point, we were just taking no money down deposits. Yes. yes. So we had like thirty-five thousand people do that.
0: Thirty-five thousand. Yeah. Wow. And man. then
3: um, and then we announced our price point. It's a very expensive truck to make, so our yeah. price point's one hundred twenty-five thousand. Yes. Being very, you know, we've been honest from the beginning of what's in the truck and what it what it takes to make this kind of vehicle. So uh, that's our price point, and so we've had, we had most of our first year production already. Uh, bought if you will okay so now we're taking deposits online for a thousand dollars so you can reserve the same way as before but now you put down a thousand dollars and so we have most of uh, our first year production ready to go so, so one of the
2: one of the that's interesting the one of the um, interesting parts that I think about your truck is that that uh, you mentioned it briefly was the uh, hole down the middle for, for, right. a, for a, a term anything, I guess it's a, longitu- yeah. a longitudinally running okay. right two by two, right down the middle of the truck. Yeah. yeah. For, for long items, lumber, what have you. And that's pretty unique.
3: Yeah, and so basically it was when we were building the truck from the ground up, because at first we were looking, at concentrating on the electrical, um, aspects of the truck like what how do we get where do we get our motors from how do we start building our first prototype all this kind of stuff and we, our first thought was like okay let's buy a vehicle and electrify it just to kind of learn that side but then it's like well then you have to stick things where they go and then you're not really creating much of a new thing so he said let's just build the truck from the ground up so with that idea you could have this whole new architecture so that led to a really big frunk area with a large lockable storage space and there's was like well that's no longer a firewall right in between the passengers and the front so just blow a hole through it and now it's all connected and, and I've owned pickup trucks my whole life you can only hold like eight foot to ten foot boards out of them before they start sagging off the back right? Sure. And so um, here you can hold 16-foot boards sure,
0: through there. Yeah. So it's can, that's my rack. favorite feature. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a roof rack, right? Right, exactly.
3: For the most part, and you can hold. I think we I forget the size of it off the top of my head, but I think you can hold 25 2 x 4s through there. So it's pretty pretty significant sure and
2: you got 10 inches of wheel travel and 15 inches of ground clearance yeah just for
3: our listeners compare that to say a, a Land Rover Range Rover Yeah. so uh, basically a lot of those vehicles have a lot of ground clearance until it comes to the transfer case in the back sticking way low right, right. you see it on a lot of pickup trucks it's like and they look really high but they're really only like seven to eight inches off the ground that's what I was thinking. at that spot mm-hmm. so we're basically twice as anything on the market right now for ground clearance. And that's at our highway setting, which is 15 inches. And you can raise it another five inches. So if you're off-road or you're on the farm and you have to you know, oops, you know, I miscalculated that. I gotta go sure. a little higher. Yeah. You we'll have an adjustment inside. And then also because it's a class three and it needs to hold like four or five thousand pounds, it's engineered for that and so it'll self-level. And then it, the way the suspension is is it'll ride the same as if it wasn't holding 5,000 pounds. So okay. it's a very—it's a, I wouldn't say complicated, but it's a very uh, wonderfully done system to keep the ride handling characteristics the same regardless of what you're carrying. And the 10-inch travel is—that
2: that seems like a lot.
3: to it's me a lot. for a road car. Yeah, yeah, and that—and you can set it. It's not just like right, so. you know you can go down to 10 inches if you want to get into a low drop, you know, low garage, or you can. you might have a setting where every time you turn it off, it goes down, so you can get in and out easier. You know, so it's a lot of capability there. Let's talk about range you know, like, you know the electric motor part. Yeah so for the Whose batteries. motors or is it just brand X or is, uh, we're is, gonna be is, announcing, it, is it Tesla or is it a no, secret not, or what yeah, is no, it? No it's not it's not Tesla but uh, we will be announcing uh, our battery supplier and our motor suppliers and stuff like that soon.
0: Oh okay. Yeah now since your name is on the vehicle uh, number one what is that like when your name's on a vehicle right. and number two what is your background that you have all that you've, Got all this expertise, and you're going at it, and you've got a, car, a vehicle with your name on it. It's right, pretty, pretty right. interesting, you know. What, how well, do you feel about that?
3: Well, I, I, I hired the expertise, so all yeah, the, yeah, all the yeah, people yeah. who work for me are the ones who actually know how to put this together. So it's really all about the team that knew what they're doing. Sure. So. For me it was, I always wanted to just be an automotive, I wanted to have my own car company, I, w- I wanted to design my own car, yes. all stuff from as a kid. So... Uh,
0: it's only I, a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> living the <a> dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, living the dream. So I went to
3: school for industrial design, I wanted to do that, and then my yeah. life went on this crazy other path. Yeah. And along the way, I uh, had a business with a business partner, and we sold that in 2013, which gave the funds for this. Mm-hmm. But he had a company with his name on it, and I saw basically how it's, you, everything is personal everything has your name on it right and so yes. it kind of it, it adds to the stress and it adds to the the yeah, weight of the of the situation i think but you make sure that everything is to nobody right. else to blame yes there, yeah, there's yeah, else there to you blame. go yeah. so i a blessing came, and a curse yeah so when <laughs> it came when i started i was like we're trying to come up with names even with the first engineers that came on we're trying to come up with these names and it was just like just random names i was like well our company is all about being true and honest and exactly what it is so it's like i started it and put my name on it gonna take the whole blame or the whole whatever you know what i mean sure so sure, uh sure. so yeah so that's basically so it's, on
2: on the design the outward appearance it, i would call it industrial
3: uh rough and Utilitarian, top uh, you, you tell uh, me uh, what, yeah. what, do you,
2: what were you looking all at this. what do you think you yeah uh,
3: i've always loved trucks more than cars and i like trucks that are older than the new ones so uh my personal style or what I would want to have in my garage is probably the older you know internationals and stuff like that So that's the aesthetic that I love and so when we started making this We wanted to make the truck fully ourselves in our own shop. So that meant getting sheets of aluminum and cutting them and bending them on the press brake. and so I didn't want to wait for You know sketches to be sent out to be made into molds and all that kind of stuff We wanted to make it right away by hand so with that we're in a boxy truck world which is my favorite anyway so there's a reason why land rovers are made that way originally right sure so we just kind of did that because it made sense for us and so it's what i love to look at what how i want to be able to make it and so it just came together so yeah so these
2: vehicles um i wish we could show a picture on on the the audio here but it's it's, uh, boxy makes it sound like something negative but i will say boxy yeah. Um, I, I love boxing. It, okay. are yeah. um, <laughs> okay. no compound curves. It's it's like an old uh, it is like an old Land Rover or uh or Willys, there's some
0: Woolies Jeep in there maybe. Yeah. a you know, little
2: Hummer. But yeah, what Hummer, I thought yeah. was unusual was the thing that looks like a rivet is riveted. Is that yep. true?
3: Yeah, it's riveted so That's like an airplane. Yeah. So it's basically a, a skeleton underneath that's also aluminum right now and we riveted and bonded the pieces on. So it's, uh, and I, right from the day one, I was like, it has to have rivets. So that was like- That looks cool. Set. I mean, yeah. you can
2: put wings on it and it'll fly, right? Yeah. And, okay. and the lighting
3: right now is really making them pop in the booth. So I'm like, I oh, oh, <laughs> love it. I love it. The and then two pop. you
2: have here are jet black is yeah. by my eye. Yeah. And the so purse. that makes it interesting. And it's like, I don't know if it is Rhino lining, but it it is that stipply rough, tough paint
0: on the yeah, inside so it's like you can yeah. wash it out with a and hose wash it out yeah, Definitely, yeah.
3: and it has, we are engineering it for 36 inch forwarding depth oh for, okay. with electric so that's a lot of work there to do that so that's what our goal is so water management is a big thing that's probably so, a whole new criteria right yeah because also the doors can stop, don't
2: really care about water do they
3: right. yeah and it's also it's like not necessarily it's both a combination of sealing out and then also letting water out where it does go you know? okay so it's gotcha. as long as the water goes out you're good so it's it's a it's a tricky thing but that's that's our goal and you don't want to short out yeah 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 no
0: in, in some other niche uh, manufacturing worlds um, some people are doing online only some have relationships with dealerships what, what is your approach what's going to be the approach with your vehicles our approach
3: is going to be independent dealers who independent have other brands that they're doing so that started because um, when we were engineering the truck I was just kind of assuming it'd be a direct sale thing that we do because that's where Electric kind of lived. Mm -hmm. But we had independent dealers in New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco contact us because their clients said, do you know about Bollinger? So um, it kind of grew organically from that. Like, oh, this makes so much more sense because they have service centers, they have the clientele, and a lot of them, almost all of them now, are doing something in Electric. you know there are other brands are doing either hybrids or supercars or you know that kind of thing so it's a perfect fit for us we don't have to reinvent the wheel we're trying to you know we we're buying battery modules from supplier by making our own battery pack out of it so we're not you know we're not going in on the cell level even you know tesla no one one goes down the cell level themselves but uh so what we're doing is is having motors made to our specs by motor manufacturers you know like to our windings that we needed so We're using people who know what they know really well. Have been doing it for 10, 20 years, maybe or longer, and uh, their expertise built with our DNA. Gotcha.
0: So if I live in San Francisco or the Bay Area, in another year from now, and I've come to the LA Auto Show and I've seen this thing, and it's just, boy, it's so attractive, I want one. What do you suggest if a person from the Bay Area? where are they going to go to on the internet you sign right. up you get your uh, deposit and then what happens yeah so
3: right now if you go to bollinger yes. you can put down a thousand dollar deposit yes and you'll get a confirmation all that kind of stuff then you're in line and then later when we have the dealers set in each state what we'll do is we'll direct you towards that dealer gotcha. and that thousand dollars comes off the cost of the truck gotcha. Gotcha. but you'll you're, you'll do your whole transaction with that dealer in normal dealer fashion um, but there's a you know, specialized dealer, so it's, it's, uh, they're all about customer service. That's what we have to right. make sure of, that we're tuned with you know, how we want to...
0: Those help. are to be determined somewhere down the road. They're not right. in place yet. Yeah. Right, and
3: we have specific dealers very interested in gotcha. very close to signing. Gotcha. We just have to you know, get all our teas and yeah, sure, things. Sure, <laughs>
2: sure. It's <laughs> an interesting truck. Uh, you've got two motors in it, yeah. a front and rear. So I guess it's a driveline system. They're not mm-hmm. on the wheels.
3: Correct. They're in the middle, and then we have two half shafts going okay. out, and then they go to um, portal gear hubs, and then into the wheels. And that pearl gear, gear is to get better ground. Yeah, it's it's a, it's I, a uh, or, then we have inboard brakes, so that we have a high and low gear. So one speed for high all of highway driving, and then when you go off road, you can still be in one speed, but then you can go into low, and that. Um, the transactional so there's six gearboxes in the truck basically you got the two big transaxial ones right next to, next to the motors to the half shafts those are electrical switches that operate those I mean,
2: oh, it's, there's it's no
0: mechanical gearing on that no it's no mechanical.
2: Gearing. oh it is right. like an old jeep or something. yeah yeah okay yeah so, so we've,
0: we've mentioned uh people who might be ranchers or farmers or what other areas do you think this uh truck will attract what kind of other user groups if you will yeah the,
3: the the biggest group that was following us and, and most vocal and most enthusiastic about it was off-road people. Just off, so, off-road, yeah, in so off-road in general. Off-road in general. And then we had the people who have some big stretches of land, where they might they might have a ranch or have, yes. you know farm or whatever, but that's also off-road, right? Yes, yes. So, yes. so it's whether you go off, off-roading off for fun or because you need to go chase Business that cow, reason, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to <laughs> yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then they love it for it's quiet and electric, of course, is like instant torque a lot better for off-road than, than gas or diesel so uh, really when we first started this it was like wow electric really works for trucks almost better than sedans you know right. like if you're gonna get on the highway go really far we're getting there and it's all working out sure. great but right that first like around your place or go get something and bring it back and, and needing to haul stuff it's like electric is perfect like it, this is a big side-by-side sort of yep. yeah yeah
2: in, in, in a, but it goes on the road yeah so that's the biggest advantage in yeah. a
0: layperson's question and it's I'm gonna to have to apologize for the stupidity of the question but if you're taking this car down the road and you see a law enforcement person I wondered if it's going to stand out or they're just going to pull you over just because it's so unusual <laughs> they want to see or it. or they will be able to smell that few or, or they want to see it or that can't be possibly street legal right. i'm if any of that right. have you thought of anything right, right. about that
3: no i mean as long as you got the license plate on there hopefully they yeah, that's get what i yeah sure they
0: would but you, maybe you get the but you, it
3: can go fast so yeah you know, it's up to you how you want to drive it but yeah.
0: right I'm, I'm hoping that the uh, uh, law enforcement would pull over and just be curious yeah. and say you yeah. know give you a high five or something right, or shake right, your right. hand or whatever cause it's so great yeah oh, cool. so
3: regarding uh, crash
2: crash testing do you a
3: small manufacturer gets around that or do you have to go well, through some or what no it's uh there's no uh, low volume thing like that in the us so i think there is one in the uk for that kind of like entry level but it's, as a class three truck you can choose either a crash um, you know airbag uh-huh. deployment safety regulation you know you can either do that or seat belts so we did seat belts and it's fully but it's fully compliant to federal regulations for safety with seat belts. And then we also have, because it's electric, we worry about, there's a lot of regulations that the Class 3 doesn't require, like side, pole, side impact pole testing and stuff like that. But we're gonna do that for occupant safety and for battery safety. Uh, rollover, we need to be very uh, big on rollover, so we wanna have like maybe three times body weight rollover, so we're gonna have our own set of due diligence that's above the federal regulation for Class so, 3. So like the IIHS, the, the Insurance
2: Institute for like crash safety I guess it's called yeah and they're
3: a separate thing from the from the regulations they, sure they, they test don't the regulate thing. but right. they test and yeah. but years right. will go through that or if they want to do it that's their that's', their that's, their, that's what they Got do, it. Yeah. but uh, our whole idea is that um, it's a, as a class three I believe the reason why the federal government has that option within the class three is as a class 3 truck you're the big guy on the road right you okay. know you're this mass equals a certain amount of safety you know what I mean and, but it's not like we're we just stop there and say, oh, it's big, you're gonna be fine. No, we're going through a whole due diligence of our own of safety
0: in addition to those regulations. Um, so you mentioned vintage trucks early on in the podcast. Um, what's your daily driver, or do you have more than one?
3: Yeah, my daily driver now, I have a Chevy Silverado 2500 diesel yeah. because I bought it to haul yeah. the <laughs> <Parched>. prototypes around. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. There you go. So I have a big trailer, uh, fits one at a time. So mm-hmm. when we go testing, we can just drive it sure. ourselves. And my other vehicle is a Chevy Bull. So I'm like,
0: yeah, yeah. Both yeah, yeah, like if
3: you put those two together, it's kind of like what we have, but yeah. um, I've been a GM family. family what do you see family. like five, ten years down the line,
2: right? You're a truck guy and that's your passion. You've built some trucks. Do you see sports cars? Do you
3: see SUVs or you uh, haven't thought that far? Yeah, I think our DNA is always going to be trucks. That's what okay. I always loved. And um, we have a lot of options going forward with these Two-door version, obviously, is the next obvious one, and that's what we plan to do next. But also, we have commercial applications. We can make a cab-on-chassis version of the B2 easily, and that could be sold to people who want to make ambulances or fire ranger trucks or whatever. Sure, you could that whole aftermarket. So we have that. So that skateboard, that class three skateboard, and its capabilities would be very unique to us that we can then use in a lot of different ways, military aspects. But I think. Uh, very heavy-duty trucks with our portal gear hubs, lots of ground clearance, lots of power. Uh, export power. We'll be able to use the the battery pack at 110 or, or 220 out outbound. So storage through the middle. We'd, I think that's our DNA right now. So that should carry us through for hopefully. That's our that's our thing. There you go. Very good. Uh,
0: it's one of the vehicles you can explain it, but until you see it, it, it doesn't really explain it. So right. we we'll want encourage people to go to. Bollinger Bullinger Motors yep. Com yep. And see these two vehicles and uh, it's um impressive. You can start it anywhere in the car and, and you just want to look more and more and yeah. more because it's just so much to, to see. So,
3: And hopefully if you're near LA you can come in and see them in person because it's a whole new it's a whole new thing to see them in person. The first
0: year you were outside, I remember, this is the third year. No. You had the vehicle that was outside in the last year, two years you've been inside?
3: No, we were here two years ago right in that same right, spot okay. and then this, so
0: this is our second time. Second year, okay. Yeah. okay. Well thank you sir for being our guest thank on you. the Weekly Driver Podcast. We really appreciate um, we're here kind of the calm before the storm, because everything with the public is a few days away, and, but it's, it's great to see uh, the vehicles when there aren't too many people around and get a nice close look. So thank you again for being our guest. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you very, very,
3: very much. much. Thanks.